In this episode, you'll learn about the application of embedded machine learning in industrial IoT. We discuss the benefits of machine learning at the edge of IoT network, current applications of embedded machine learning in industrial systems, factors to consider when choosing an embedded processor for machine learning, and the Edge Impulse development platform. My guest on this episode is Zin Shaw. Zin is a senior user success engineer at Edge Impulse, where he works with the Edge Impulse developer community and partners to deploy successful embedded machine learning applications at the Edge. He has previously worked as a senior IoT systems architect at Crocker Technology. He was the founder of Connected Widgets, and he's also worked as senior applications engineer for companies like Cypress Semiconductor and Texas Instruments. Zin holds a degree in electrical engineering from the University of Southern California. Quick thank you to our sponsors. This episode is made possible by HiveMQ, the providers of an enterprise-grade MQTT broker, and Opto22, manufacturers of reliable industrial controllers for automation and IIoT applications. Welcome to the fourth generation podcast here on Industry4O.TV, which is a series of weekly interviews designed to help you learn IIoT from some of the world's leading practitioners. So make sure to subscribe and click on the notification bell to make sure that you never miss any of the videos. If you find this conversation useful, please review it with five stars on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and connect with me on LinkedIn at Kudzai Mandi Teresa. Now, here's my interview with Zin. Okay, Zin, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I would like to welcome you to the uh, fourth generation podcast. Yeah, thanks, Kutai. Thanks for having me here. Okay, so today I really want to, to, to talk to you about uh, embedded machine learning for IIoT. Now, to start off this session, uh, we all know of the many benefits of uh, machine learning, uh, but yet when it comes to industrial equipment, uh, the uptake has been... Uh, relatively slow. Uh, what do you see as being the biggest challenges to 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 the integration of machine learning in industrial equipment? Yeah, I think um, you know, from my perspective, there are maybe it's not so so much challenges per se, but you know, I think when we think of embedded machine learning, it's still a relatively new field. Um, you know, in terms of like today's technology landscape. Um, most of the machine learning has been done, uh, primarily been cloud-driven, you know, um, all the algorithm development, all the applications that are running with regards to machine learning, these have mainly been executed on in a cloud server, server-based environment. But now we're kind of this, at this intersection between embedded devices and machine learning where a lot of people are starting to realize that, hey, we can actually utilize the power um, of these processors on the edge and start using them to advantage, you know, instead of just treating them as, um, you know, I would call it like dumb devices. Like when we think of like sensor devices, most of the sensors that are out there um, don't do a lot of compute on the device. They just read the sensors and then relay that information to a server somewhere. It can be in a cloud framework or some private cloud or something like that, right? And all of the number crunching and processing analytics gets done in the cloud. And so I think we're at the stage right now where um, folks in the industry are starting to see more value in putting more intelligence back at the edge and discovering how to do that efficiently 
and also manage that um, efficiently too, because, you know, we also come from this sort of IoT background, right? And um, the last 10 years have been pretty much about IoT device management. And when you look at deploying machine learning on embedded devices, that then does become another part of device management in a sense. And so I think uh, the industry is learning how to fuse those two together and, and make them yeah. essentially as, as one deployment, right? Because um, in the end, you're gonna have to manage these devices somehow. So device management is, go is still gonna be there, all of the IoT stuff that we've learned over the last 10 years. But then now we're adding a new wrinkle, a, a new piece of the puzzle, which is let's put embedded machine learning on these devices to make them, to put the intelligence back at the edge. Oh. And so, so I don't see it more so much as challenges as more just like an, a natural evolution of this, you know, industrial IoT space is like, okay, here we have another tool in our tool belt that we can put to use, you know, to help realize the applications and make them more efficient, um, you know, rather than just blindly sending every single piece of data to the cloud, you're only going to make that cloud infrastructure bigger and bigger and bigger as you scale the number of devices that's, you know, I've, I've seen that through my own experience, um, you know, working with, uh, you know, different cold chain management applications. You know, when you're talking about millions of sensors, uh, tens of millions of sensors, that is a big scale. And, you know, to support that kind of data and storage of that data that requires a lot of cloud infrastructure, you know, when we think of the ultimate scaling factor. Um, and so I think, and also management of that data, you know, being able to provide enough um, uh, systems on the backend side to be able to crunch through that data in, in an efficient manner um, becomes important. And so um, I think, you know, not so much challenges, but you're gonna see an opportunity to uh, optimize the systems that we're creating also on the backend side. You know, if we are able to transmit less data, but also transmit more meaningful data, then our algorithms on the backend side can also become more efficient and the systems required to support those algorithms can be more efficient as well. Um, and so it's, it's really a nice marriage, you know, I think of these two worlds where you have a cloud environment, you have the embedded devices, and, um, you know, there are a lot of synergies there when you try to apply machine learning on the edge. Oh, okay. Do they always work in, in hand in hand, the, the, the edge best uh, uh, machine learning and the cloud best, or is there a situation whereby you'd want to have entirely uh, the, the machine learning running on the edge? What are the benefits of having run entirely at the edge of the network? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I tend to think of, think of these problem domains very holistically, like from a high level system perspective. And so if, you know, so, you know, you have these sort of traditional approach of doing everything in the cloud. And then now I think folks are starting to realize that, hey, like there's a lot of stuff we can do on the edge. And for me, um, a lot of it is improving system latency. Like that has been a big thing. I think when we look at only cloud-based systems is the round trip time. And, and this is where I talk about the scaling factor. You know, if you're, if you're looking at like just a hundred nodes, 
you know, probably you're not going to see the impact of that. But when you scale to like a million, 10 million, 100 million nodes, you know, to be able to process that amount of data and have a fast enough response time where you can take action, right, is something I believe quite challenging for people to implement on a large scale. Um, and this is where embedded machine learning at the edge can really shine because if you put the decision-making um, uh, piece of the puzzle at the edge, you're going to be able to get a faster response time at the edge. You know, for example, I, I, I use the example of a common case where let's say in a, in a grocery retail store, you know, one of the typical cold chain management applications is to identify if a walk-in cooler, you know, full of produce and everything has been open or closed because the longer that it's been open, you know, the more chance that the product inside is going to deteriorate. Now, you want that notification to the store manager to be almost instantaneous. You know, um, you don't want to have to wait minutes for somebody to take action because by that time, the product could be, uh, you know, quite compromised. And so um, those are the kind of advantages that I see clearly for deploying embedded machine learning at the edge is, you know, let's put more intelligence back at the edge where we can have a faster response time and have a quick action. And that's where you're going to see the real value, right? Um, instead of, it really defeats the purpose if somebody's opened the door for five minutes, but then you only get the notification 15 minutes later because it's taken that long to yeah. crunch all the numbers from all the sensors. And then, oh, it's like this door had a problem with the walk-in cooler. Let's, you know, so there's that inherent overall system latency if you're putting all your eggs in one basket you know, with backend processing only. And so this is where the, the combination makes a lot of sense. Like let's put intelligence that matters on the edge where it makes sense. And then of course, that is always gonna be complemented by um, all of that infrastructure we already have on the backend. Oh, okay. And so I, I, I never see these problem domains as a binary thing, you know. Um, one or zero, it's, it's always going to be some complementary way of working together that's going to be probably the best, going to give the best solution. Okay, awesome. So you have already given us a, a very good example there. Maybe for the benefit of the audience who are more familiar with the industrial kind of factory floor setting, do you have some examples that you could share with us uh, of the current applications of embedded machine learning in a factory floor setting? Yeah, so um, we recently did a proof of concept actually uh, with regards to um, uh, wheel lug nut detection. So um, this applies directly to the transportation industry. So one of the things that we found out is that, um, uh, you know, these wheel lug nuts, they're, they're extremely, they're very small, but they're extremely important for, for the safe operation of an automobile. Because even if one of those lug nuts are missing, um, you know, let's say it could be uh, a brand new car that comes off the factory floor, you know, th that could be a safety issue. And there's been well-documented safety issues in the past where uh, automobile manufacturers have had to recall uh, cars because there hasn't been, you know, enough, um, uh, you know, done there in terms of quality control. So, you know, we used our object detection, you know, pipeline that we built into Edge Impulse and, you know, was able to, uh, create this kind of proof of concept that shows how we can 
detect these wheel lug nuts, you know, and identify whether all of them are in place. And then if so, you know, provide the necessary outcome to the user that says, okay, like kind of QC passed, you know? Um, so that's kind of the idea is that I, we can envision these kind of systems being more commonplace in the manufacturing um, uh, plants and things like that, where we use computer vision to help us determine, uh, get us to a next, a next level of quality control. And, and this is where I think we see a lot of applications is, is using um, computer vision for this uh, to automate those processes versus you know, anything that requires manual inspection I think there's a big opportunity to automate that with computer vision and uh, streamline all of these processes. And, uh, you know, that, that's a perfect example of the marriage of, um, you know, embedded machine learning as well as backend infrastructure as well, because, you know, we plan on leveraging services like Azure IoT to be able to send those outcomes, you know, to to the to Azure IoT based services, and then you could have you know some application running in Azure, for example, uh, that you know uh, would understand, uh, for example, how much you know uh, how, you know what kind of quality control we have for different manufacturing plants, right? And so there's really no use in just sending the raw data to the cloud. You know, like we can already do that on the device itself. So. If there happens to be a situation where there is some like a car on the manufacturing line that does not already have uh, all of the lug nuts in place, you can identify it right there and then and do and, and fix the problem at the manufacturing line. You know, you don't need to wait until the car is already off the line. And then by that time, it's a costly operation to bring it back on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's going back to my example before, like, system responsiveness is king like i feel like being able to have um you know do it in a matter of you know seconds to 100 milliseconds is like very critical for tr capturing the problem as it happens and not minutes later when it's too late um you know just due to the round trip time of processing all that data in the cloud so uh so that's a great example you know we we showed how we can combine machine learning algorithms from edge impulse and uh, Azure IOT to be able to, you know, create this, this few solution where, um, you know, we could see that in place uh, down the road. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So for, for equipment manufacturers or, or, or developers that may be uh, looking at integrating machine learning into their uh, products, uh, what are the, what would you say are the factors to consider when selecting a, an embedded processor for for machine learning? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question, and I think um, you know probably uh, very uh, a wide spectrum of answers there as well. But I'll, I'll try to give some context on that. So I think at the end of the day, it, it comes down to um, uh, the three P. I call it the three P's, which is power, price, and performance. So it, it really, at the end of the day, depends on the application and how much you're willing to uh, put forth in terms of resources. But um, so I'll give you one example, like uh, in the case of this wheel lug, wheel lug nut detection example, you know, you probably have more of an emphasis on performance, like this thing needs to be fast, this thing needs to be accurate, 
So you generally probably will lean more towards uh, a faster processor. You know, maybe it's uh, uh, something that can run embedded Linux. You know, maybe it's an x86 type single board computer type thing. You know, with more more sophistication around computer vision. I think um, you know when you start looking at more sophisticated applications that involve object detection and things like that, you probably will find beefier processors. Um, uh, that's required to run those algorithms. Now, that's today's landscape, but who knows in the future? Because, you know, one of the things that at Edge Impulse we work with is a wide variety of ecosystem players, including silicon manufacturers. And so, you know, we we work with a lot of the silicon players, and they're always innovating in terms of the chipsets. Like, you know, today, uh, I don't know if you remember, but like you know, a, five years ago, 256K flash was like this, was yeah, like a lot yeah. of space for like a microcontroller, like, you know, but now it, it, the normal is like one megabyte, you know, a flash and 256K of RAM. So it's like every five years, we're seeing this quantum leap in terms of uh, evolution of the processors that are out there. And so, you know, perhaps five years from now, we could do all of this sophisticated object detection stuff with an MCU. Right, and that will become the mainstream. So um, we can kind of see this uh, this this evolutionary path, um, and I think machine learning will help. Embedded machine learning will definitely help drive the um, evolution of the the silicon landscape as well. Um, but of course, power consumption is also very important. So, like one of the areas that we um, that we look at too is you know measurement and sensing. So that the cold chain just the cold chain uh, scenario that I described, you know, these 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 are battery powered sensors which um, need to last for ten years, you know, on a single cell. And so, when you get to that kind of constrained device, you need to be as power efficient as possible, and um, also with uh, transmitting the information to the cloud. So, the the communication medium needs to be efficient as well. So, the radio that's on these MCUs. They need to be managed efficiently. And then a lot of people want to do this for cheap too. Like, you know, the, the bomb, if you look at the bomb cost of these sensors, they're usually, you know, 10 bucks or lower. And so, um, uh, you know, generally you have these sort of different classes of processors and technology that, you know, depends, it depends on a lot of, you know, again, this three P's of price, power, and performance, like, um, uh, how, how do you calibrate those three I, those three pillars to, to meet your application requirements? And generally you're gonna be, you know, somewhere along the spectrum. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of would be my advice to folks that are looking at the processor selection is, if you want to have low power, low cost, you're probably gonna be at least today still in the MCU domain you know, like your Nordics, your Scilabs, yeah. what have you, your TIs, right? That have a single uh, SOC uh, microcontroller. Um, but if you're doing more sophisticated applications like object detection, that's probably gonna put you in a higher bracket of like more of a single board computer type thing, at least today. Oh, yeah. Um, sure, yeah, that makes a lot of sense actually. So like, can you, can you take us through a typical uh, workflow uh, for, for developing and deploying uh, machine learning models on an embedded uh, processor. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, at, at Edge Impulse, we provide a complete one-stop shop uh, embedded ML platform that basically walks you through the entire process from soup to nuts. So from data acquisition directly from the device to, um, you know, we call it data wrangling, which is, you know, formatting that raw data into um, uh, a form that can be then fed into a machine learning algorithm. And so we have um, a number of DSP blocks that are part of our platform that allow you to extract, we call it like features from the raw data. And this feeds in directly into our neural network uh, uh, pipeline, which allows you to train different kinds of models from uh, measurement and sensing to audio to computer vision. And so, you know, um, you know that's kind of the overall process, you know, in terms of uh, getting uh, a machine learning model deployed is, uh, you know, data acquisition, uh, DSP, and then training that, that model. And then finally, of course, you want to be able to deploy that efficiently. So we provide the ability to deploy these models um, uh, in a various ways, but one of the most popular ways is as an embedded C++ library. So you can actually literally take export the model and all of our SDK to um, a C++ library that can be linked into any kind of embedded tool chain. So um, that's really versatile because that gives you the capability of deploying your model on literally any device that's out there. Even uh, we call it brownfield devices. So even devices that are deployed in the field or use existing MCU architectures could be utilized for that. Um, doesn't necessarily need to be a brand new device which is you know, something that is, seems to be resonating with uh, a lot of folks now because of all this like silicon shortage stuff you know, in, in the industry. Like, so folks that are building new devices, you know, well, they can't get the silicon that's, that's required for, for building those devices you know, in a short amount of time. And so I think a lot of folks are looking at how can we essentially upgrade our existing devices to have more intelligence. And so, you know, this flow that I just mentioned would be um, very applicable to that as well. Um, oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, our, our machine learning pipeline is quite broad. You know, uh, there are uh, some folks out there that only focus on one or the other uh, pillars, but, you know, we provide support for computer vision, audio, as well as measurement and sensing. So um, this, you know, this has really been delighting folks uh, that are creating all kinds of different applications. Oh, okay. So do you, do you, do you have like, do you, do you have like an integration mechanism with uh, some, like some other standalone software frameworks, like maybe your, 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 your TensorFlow or is there, is there even a need to, to actually integrate with the, with other software frameworks? Yeah, we've, we've chosen basically TensorFlow, Keras as our underlying framework for the machine learning piece. Um, and, um, you know, also provided additional optimization beyond that. So we have something called an Eon compiler, which, um, you know, essentially takes the TensorFlow light output and um, essentially compiles that directly to a C++ uh, library. Um, so it gets rid of the interpreter overhead that's, you know, uh, required for TensorFlow light. And this allows us to really reduce the amount of ROM and RAM that's flash and RAM that's required. Because as you know, like for MCUs, every, every byte is, is, is critical. Like, you know, people are trying to figure out how to save um, RAM. Uh, RAM mostly is the, the big premium 
um, getting everything to fit. Fit these days, as I said, it's it's not so much of a an issue because folks are coming out with like 256k of RAM and stuff like that. But you know, um, when you get to cost optimization, this is where you start seeing a little bit less RAM these days. Uh, in the future, maybe that won't be such an issue, but you know, um, that's our general, that's our focus though, is providing the most optimized embedded model that can run on these, in these, on these MCUs, right? We're really pushing the efficiency, efficiency knob. And so our Eon compiler really helps out with that, you know, saving 25 to 50% on RAM is, is a big deal. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now we know that with uh, machine learning, you need, uh, data, you know, for you to, to, to build a model. So do you feel like there's enough industrial data available to, to, to build effective machine learning uh, solutions? And if not, yeah. how, how, how would organizations approach that problem? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. And, and you know, we, we see that all the time with our own uh, customers and whatnot and, and our developers is, you know, as, as you alluded to, everything starts with the data, right? I mean, that's that's the whole point of machine learning is if you don't have the data, then well, that you're not going to do much. Um, so, um, yeah, I think this is also a growing field. Um, there are, I think, a lot of open data sets that are out there uh, that can be utilized. Um, you know, for example, uh, we've done some studies on um, mode of current signature analysis and you know, try to leverage some, some data sets that are out there, um, you know, to, to help uh, uh, create some frameworks around that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of data, uh, other data out there too, like, you know, temperature, humidity, uh, things that um, lend itself well to, you know, cold chain management and also like smart agricultural applications. There are people that have collected a lot of data out there already because um, all of this data has already been sent to the cloud somewhere. Yeah. You know, if we think of industrial IoT, that data exists. Now, can we get access to that data somehow? I think I think we can because these are also the same people that have been implementing this, this from a device management perspective. Um, and so, so I think that data does exist um, generally in the industry today. And now, um, you know, the the, the concept now is to take a second look on that data and then create a, a model that can run on the edge device based on that. Um, you know, so that's, uh, so, so in one sense, you know, there might be some cases where um, specific data doesn't exist, but that's also where we're helping people uh, collect that data easily and securely. Um, and so data collection is, uh, still a fundamental exercise of, of algorithm development from machine learning, even, even if it's on the embedded device. Um, and we're, you know, we're providing uh, tools to be helpful with that uh, and make that an easier process. Um, and um, so, so I think, um, I think the ind industry has a pretty good start overall, but um, every application is unique. So I think at the end of the day, it does come down to uh, analyzing uh, each specific use case, uh, you know, for a, a specific given client, right? Um, yeah. They have their own problem that they're trying to solve, and um, you know, if 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 data uh, data doesn't already exist, then it should be easy to acquire that data in the field, 
that's what that's what we're striving for. Oh, okay. All right. So now when it comes to uh, deep learning uh, in particular, uh, where do you see it being applied the most in uh, industrial control applications? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot of different areas, you know, as I mentioned, um, uh, you know, in the uh, manufacturing settings, you know, um, you know, uh, predictive maintenance settings, you know, for example, um, you know, folks that are looking at HVAC equipment and trying to understand um, whether they can get a head start in terms of early, uh, early failure warning, you know, that's an area that comes up a lot in predictive maintenance is um, understanding the patterns towards uh, a failure mode and alert the, the system owner if um, the equipment is headed towards that, you know, um, any sort of situation where you're dealing with cooling, uh, big fans are involved, right? So that's one of the things we, we get to as folks that are un- interested in understanding when a specific uh, cooling unit might be heading towards failure. Um, and then also in, in areas of like uh, smart agriculture as well, where you have a lot of um, different sensors, you know, like in terms of temperature, humidity, um, lux, you know, these, yeah. these tend to be the sort of three main uh, metrics that, um, you know, folks measure when it turns to uh, uh, sort of uh, produce yield. And so um, being able to, um, you know, create some algorithms based on those metrics, you know, uh, helps like farmers, for example, get more produce out of their farms, um, things like that. So um, there's a very wide, I would say, spectrum of of areas where um, this, uh, you know, machine, embedded machine learning can be applied. We're seeing, you know, there's not really just one one area that... uh, folks are concentrating on it's it's basically you know i think folks are looking at it as a um an additional tool that can help them actually really solve these problems um that they're facing and uh you know versus the traditional methods of just uh sending all of their data to the cloud and doing the analytics there um but now we can actually put that intelligence back back you know towards the edge where again as I mentioned, you know, getting a faster system response is, is key to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Now you have already mentioned that uh, it's it's you know it's 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 hard to 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 tell what the state of the like uh, the embedded processor market will be like, like say in five years or so. But do you, could you like yeah. give us a glimpse of what you see as the future of embedded machine learning in industrial assets? Yeah. Exactly. Um, as I touched upon uh, a bit earlier, I think we're going to see um, sort of this, uh, you know, if we look at the MCU as one side of the spectrum, and then you have the single board computers as the other side, right? Um, you're going to see see those universes converge more and more, you know, where there's, there's going to be this really gray line in terms of what def- what what is a single board computer going to be look like in the next five years? Right, I think we may all be surprised as to what that is. Yeah. I think one of the things we're starting to see trending up is the addition of more uh, neural network accelerators in MCU devices. Um, and that is probably gonna open a lot of different doors for where we can go next. Because I think traditionally 
that has been the sort of uh, uh, area where you, you could see more improvement because to process these algorithms, you need to have processing power. If you can offload that from the CPU to a more dedicated processing unit, uh, which is basically where you know a lot of these manufacturers are going, is is then going to be very interesting because all of a sudden you can start getting um, uh, much better performance on the MCUs in, in terms of processing these ML algorithms, and also do it for a fraction of the power, and so. Um, I think you're going to see this. You're going to see this convergence happening, and it'll probably happen within the next five years, I would imagine. Because, you know, if you think to back to like the original iPhone, you know, I mean, it was like what 2000. When was that? Like 2007 or something. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, and then so literally just over ten years. I mean, like you probably wouldn't recognize the you know the original iPhone from what we have today. So. I can imagine the same thing happening for the the MCU industry as people put more and more into it. And I think I think you'll see this convergence and you know um, a single board the definition of a single board computer changing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, now your yeah. your company Edge uh, Impulse, uh, you know you've you've built, you've built quite a remarkable tool set for 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 embedded machine learning uh, development. Uh, could you give us a, an, an overview of the Edge Impulse uh, ecosystem? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we work with, you know, basically all the top uh, silicon manufacturers. And we've been working with them since day one uh, to build up a, an ecosystem that's rich in terms of uh, silicon partners, first and foremost, um, because it really all starts there. And then we've also been working hard on, uh, nurturing a, a developer community, um, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, close to, you know, getting to over 20,000 developers today that are active in the community. Um, and we're aiming to get to 30K by the end of the year. And so um, really a, a, a great marriage of um, folks that are uh, interested in developing real applications with embedded machine learning uh, powered by a, a, a variety of silicon manufacturers that we've, been, we've partnered with. And um, really this provides a, 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 you know, a, the genesis for then reaching out to um, folks that are actually deploying real applications out there in the field. And this spans across you know, thousands of enterprises uh, worldwide um, that are looking to realize embedded machine learning applications. So, you know, it's really sort of this three-prong approach, I think, you know, where uh, you have the, the, the silicon development community, you have the developer community, and then you have the enterprises that, um, that are uh, looking to deploy these out there um, for industrial applications. So, um, and, you know, th this, whole, this whole ecosystem works uh, very synergistically, um, as you can imagine, um, because you know, at the end of the day, it's it's really all about deploying these devices at the edge, and um, you know, um, everybody gets to participate. You know, essentially, um, all okay. up and down the software and hardware food chain. And so, I think one of the things that we've been really successful is 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 galvanizing that entire community. You know, um, together um, to help reach some new heights. You know, in terms of what we can do with 
uh, MCUs, you know, pushing the envelope in terms of yeah. power consumption, how much can actually fit on the device. Um, and, you know, we'll continue to innovate there in terms of uh, what we can do with these devices. So we're really pleased where we are right now. Um, and, you know, we'll, yeah, work hard in terms of continuing to grow that ecosystem and, um, you know, continuing to sign up new uh, silicon partners as well. Uh, you know, we just recently uh, announced, uh, uh, you know, a partnership with TI um, not too long ago, and we'll continue to add more um, partners as we go along. But I think it's really exciting because you're going to start seeing these new kinds of devices that I had mentioned earlier with yeah. like actual accelerators on the MCUs, um, you know, that will push the boundaries of what we can do. And the ecosystem that we've built gets to, you know, um, see the fruit of that labor and benefit from that too. So it's sort of this, yeah, I guess that's why we call it an ecosystem because yeah, yeah. everyone benefits from forward progress. Absolutely. So we're, we're really happy Absolutely. about that. Absolutely. Okay, now lastly, well, this channel is really for, for developers and engineers. So I'm sure some of them, they might be interested in like in knowing uh, precisely what platforms could they go to, you know, to, to, to participate, to be part of this uh, 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 developer network. Do you have like some uh, GitHub, GitHub or platforms or, or any, oh, yeah. any site that you could send uh, developers to? Oh yeah, I mean, we have a wealth of resources on our main site. So um, uh, the best place to start is probably our documentation site, which is really rich in resources. So that's okay. docs.edgeimpulse.com. Okay. Um, and there you will see basically this, this giant list of silicon vendors that we already support today. Uh, uh, all of them have some kind of development platform that they provide. And, uh, you know, we've provided um, uh, software support for that. Uh, all of that code is available in GitHub. So we have the links right there. People can go look at that code and uh, run it themselves. Um, the C++ library that we use to export after the model development that comes out of Edge Impulse, that is also uh, basically uh, full source code under an Apache 2.0 license. So, um, you know, very permissible license that allows developers to actually go and actually go and deploy um, devices out there for the applications, you know, um, instead of being held back by some uh, arcane license agreement or royalties or something like that, you know, we, right. we're, you know, our, our business model is not royalty based, you know, it's, it's project based um, for enterprise customers. So, um, uh, you know, for developers, they are able to just go ahead and, and, and run their apps, you know, without this sort of concern of, oh, like what's behind the license agreement, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, this kind of thing. So we, so uh, the concept of our whole platform is, you know, we want to make it as open as possible for developers. And they can definitely see that through our documentation website. Like a lot of the resources that we have available are all open to them. So this makes it easy for them to, to get started, you know, all the way from conception, you know, comp proof of concept to production. That 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 is our goal is to help developers do that. Oh, okay, awesome. All right, yeah. so that uh, sure that brings us to the end of our, our session here. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out to come and, and join us here on the fourth generation podcast. 
I will link uh, the website in the description for those who are interested in going to check out the code and start uh, playing around with the uh, solutions. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so thanks thank you so much.